Welcome to the Unraveling Technology Podcast. It's me, Joe Tonks. We've got David Johnson, as usual, and Mr. Joshua Crouch. Hi. As our guest for the day. Hey, and notably not Adam, who's off doing whatever Adam does when he's not podcasting. It's hard to imagine. Uh, how are we doing? All good? Yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah doing all right. Getting towards yeah. the end of the old, uh, old week. Slow yeah. climb towards the weekend. Mm-hmm. Just keep powering through. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You got any plans going uh, this weekend, Josh? Uh, catch up on the sleep I've lost over the last few weekends, I guess. But just lots of stuff in life. But you Been know, a wild few weeks. Well, just like lots of traveling about, seeing people, and doing that kind of thing. Not really much chance to stop and think. So, right, okay. It'd be nice to have a chilled weekend for once. But I yeah. assume when you say catch up, you're going to say catch up on, and then some TV series. That's just the state of the modern world, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I assume you use your free time to catch up on some TV. Well, yeah, yeah. I think there's just too much choice these days, so. There is. And here come Apple with even more choice. But we'll get to that in a second. Oh, I thought you were going to segue, but then you swerved at the last second. To be honest, I've got nothing else to say. We might as well get into it. Okay. <laughs> so I thought this, uh, this week we'd talk about uh, the Apple event, the keynote, their March keynote, which happened on Monday where they came out with a whole bunch of new stuff. Feels like it's more more activity than your average keynote. But this is why I wanted uh, you on board, Josh, because I know that you're a, you're an Apple aficionado. Well, yeah, I worked for Apple for a while, so, yeah. 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 But I know she don't use a MacBook in the office. No. Um, Time for a change? Uh, well, I think, basically, I was surrounded by it, by Apple stuff for so long. Yeah. And very much was part of the, there's no better way to do this. This is the only way to live as far as a, you, the computing world went. Yeah. Um, and I've kind of come here and obviously been provided with a, with a laptop to use, which is perfectly capable and actually discovered that it's not, you know, a barren wilderness outside of Apple. There is actually stuff that is quite... <laughs> Good to use. Um, and I've actually, so you coming out of the Apple store at the end of your, your, your <laughs> working there, kind of blinking, you know, looking up at the sun, blinking. Yeah. Thinking, wow. <laughs> no, it was, it's just more the kind of, I think when I went into the, really invested in the Apple ecosystem, Windows and Android and loads of other things just weren't at the same place they are at now. Mm. So actually to come back out and start using it again is like, actually, there's been big developments in this and I get on with it absolutely fine. You know, I don't, I don't have these nightmare experiences that I guess some people I would hear about when, you know, you'd had the diehard Apple fans coming into the store. Having said that, I am still a massive Apple fan. Right. And I do still, you know, given the choice would choose it, but Mm -hmm. I don't see any need to ditch a perfectly good setup. You can provide an unbiased opinion. Yeah. Whereas we come with all of our biases. (laughs) Well, I'm just here to and balance I, you guys I out then. for one or the other, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, they, they announced their, uh, they had their keynotes on Monday. Mm. Uh, let's uh, let's go through what they talked about. So uh, one of the first things, starting with one of the smaller ones, was they announced Apple News Plus. Are you aware of this? David? No. 
So okay. what's what's different with News Plus compared to News? So my understanding is that News is kind of their curated um, online news content, is it? So they go and they pull from various different sources and then yeah. present that as... This used to be News Stand. Right? Yeah, so I think they've had new, they had News Stand for years, which was more of a selling newspaper subscriptions type. Yeah. Um, kind of within iTunes and that ecosystem. And then a few years ago, they brought out the news app, which is free. Mm-hmm. Um, and it pulls in, it, it works in a lot of ways, like an, like these apps that pull in RSS feeds yeah. from websites. And it's very much like that, but it's more curated, okay. um, which I initially thought would be, well, that means that Apple can just kind of filter out anything that says anything bad about them. But having used it a lot, they don't seem to do that. They seem to let that <laughs> stuff through, which is, you know, it's fair enough. Maybe they have a quota, like, you know, one bad Apple article. Yeah. Like. <laughs> <laughs> um, so basically that's, yeah, it's a free um, system whereby you can choose what you want to read. You can choose the kind of stuff. You can like articles and dislike stuff and it will curate and um, tailor it to what you like. So I've right. been using it for years and it very much sends me stuff that I like. Okay. But this is a Apple News Plus is another step in the direction of the kind of, you know, very glossy magazines and things that you would normally pay a reasonably large amount of money to have subscriptions for individually. Um, But bringing that to the Apple News app on your, you know, your phone, your iPad or your Mac. Yeah. So Tim Cook or Tim Apple, as he's now known, kind of got up on stage and said, it's kind of a, you know, I like I like standing in front of newsstands and looking at all the magazines and stuff, and it kind of wants to bring that experience to to an app under one single monthly subscription free fee, mm. right? So instead of the singular, I will subscribe to this magazine, you get, uh, I think it's 300, something like that. Yeah, I think there's there's currently, in, in the US at least, where, when they were talking about it, there's currently about 300 magazines in this. Right. Um, or publications, I guess, if you want to be diplomatic about it. But the um, do. Uh, but they said something along the lines of, if you subscribe to all of them at once individually, it would be eight thousand dollars a year, and right. that's been condensed down through this to nine ninety nine a month. Right. So you have access to all of that, but at a much lower cost, and obviously through a different medium. It's kind of strange seeing Apple try and play the whole, you know, value for money kind of route. Because <laughs> that's not something that I think plays for them very often. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, by all means, give it a go. Have you, um, either of you got Amazon Prime subscriptions at the moment? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah at least my wife does. Did you know that there's something called Prime Reading on there? So it's separate from the Kindle Unlimited stuff, but you can get a, the same kind of thing. There's like a bunch of magazines that you can get... Oh, I didn't know that, no. Yeah, it's on it here. I'm going to log in now. I got the page up right now. Loads of them. Uh, hang on, I'll scroll down a bit because the top ones are like all like, you know, beautiful homes and stuff like that. But there's like Linux format and there's camera <laughs> oh, ones. Y- you found our niche. <laughs> yeah. There's, um, uh, what's the one that's not Empire? Uh, Total Film. Yeah. It's on there. So oh, you can wow. download and you can read all those. Some absolute bangers in here. What was the one that I saw? The Knitter. Oh, good. You like knitting? Who doesn't? Great British, great British food, classic American. Lots of car magazines. Mm. Leisure painter, 
probably got a Bob Ross segment or two in there. I think you'll appreciate that, John. <laughs> yeah, love a bit of Bob Ross. Yeah. Is it, I mean, in with that, is it, how do you view that stuff? Good question. Well, as a, as a prime subscriber, I can go right in and uh, borrow this issue for free. It's interesting how they say borrow this issue. Presumably that means it's maybe the latest issue or the last few, but you don't get historical ones. That's probably a good shout, yeah. But uh, yeah, it looks like you can go, and then they do have their online reader where you can read this kind of stuff, I think. Hmm. Whereas with, presumably with Apple, you can read it across devices and in various formats. And well, One of the things I've personally liked about Apple News... Um, and looks like it's going to follow into Apple News Plus is the fact that everything is very well presented and put together. And obviously because Apple control that environment and that ecosystem, they can make it like that. You know, it's, they're not, there's not the kind of cross-platform compatibility issue that I guess you sometimes get with with a lot of other things. You think now. Things like formatting, you mean? So yeah, you exactly. They have to run on like, a, like styling issues. Sure. Exactly. Yeah, it's basically styling and how that's presented. Because obviously they made this point as well, I think, in the keynote that there's when, you know, they print these publications out, that loads of care is put into how they're formatted, how they're laid out. That's mm. a big part of the appeal of them. And so they've tried to carry that over, but they can then do extra things with it like... Um, so they were, so will they take the so total film for instance they'll sure. take that and they'll try and translate that to a format that's compatible with 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 the newsstand well i guess i guess it'll work in a similar way that news does in the sense that the the publishers will format it for okay so that. they'll provide a yeah. mobile version. so they'll they'll basically provide they'll the way I understand it, whether this is right or not, but is that they specifically write it to work with um, the Apple News app. So it will go, it will work that way rather than it being a case of, oh, here's a magazine which we've got to scan in, or here's a, you know, here's an online PDF which has got to be translated into the system. It's very much the they write it to work with it, and then yeah. it, the app will format it based on how they've instructed it to. That's interesting because I would have thought that your traditional media wouldn't be too enthused about having to adapt their, you know, like taking a a National Geographic and putting it onto. Mm. I wonder how hard they had to fight to get these kind of subscriptions. I wonder if there's any overlap between how many of these publications already have like web pages. Because if you if you're already putting that content on a website, you will have to produce a mobile formatted version of that website. And it's probably pretty similar, Mm. if not the same. Mm. I wouldn't be surprised if Apple basically instruct them to put it in this format and we'll make it look good in our app, essentially. Um, Because Apple's very prescriptive about styling options and i've tried to i've done a little bit of development for like ios in the past and it's very much there's very strict guidelines about how things can and should be styled right so there's probably a lot of that going on to help with this seamless feel as you flow from one publication to another within the app so that it all feels nice and yeah and they've got um, things like reader reading mode or whatever it's called built into the browser which just takes 
you know, takes what it identifies as mm. paragraph text and makes it all nice. Yeah. Cool. I read a, a thing saying that someone had found out that on the Mac on Mac OS you could if you had a full subscription, and this is kind of a, a bit of a blunder that they made, if you had a full subscription, you could click on a um a PDF, it would download it into the Mac OS cache and then you could pull it from there like the entire thing and then post it you know free somewhere whoops which isn't great <laughs> yeah i think there's some some pdf technology that's going to get yeah to prevent that from happening but it happened yeah they're obviously using some kind of transferable format behind the scenes yeah i think um yeah but uh yeah i thought that was uh that was kind of like the the the, the least interesting of the various things that they pitched because mm. then they also pitched uh, the Apple Card, mm-hmm. so little credit cards with uh, Apple's logo on it, and not a lot else. No. So the idea behind the credit card is, you know, so it's a credit card created by Apple, not a bank, even though it's kind of, you know, backed by Mastercard and mm-hmm. Goldman Sachs. I think yeah. it is who produced it. So this is a card that would primarily be kept in Apple Pay. So you've got your wallet on your on your iPhone, and you can. You can, one of the selling points is that you can sign up and be using your new Apple Pay credit card within minutes. Mm-hmm. Apparently, I guess subject to credit checks, things like that. And then you can also get, as part of this, a titan- a physical titanium card, just a chip and pin thing. Might have contactless on it, I'm not sure. And it doesn't have your number on or your, or your CCV number, whatever it's called, you know, the three digits on it. Yeah. And... Uh, you can you can flash that. So there you go. I read a funny comment online from people saying, you know, great. So I've had my air my AirPods all of nine months, and the first time I walk into a meeting and someone throws their titanium Apple card down on the table, I'm going to be, you know, relegated back to Apple poverty again, <laughs> like the latest and greatest. Yeah. Although I think they did announce some new AirPods as well. Yeah, they announced that I think the week before. There's like some. AirPods 2 or something. Yeah, with like Bluetooth 5 in or something. <laughs> really cracking over that Bluetooth stuff. USB needs to catch up. Mm. Uh, yeah, what do you think of the credit card? Is this basically Apple saying um, we can, we've cornered a bit of the market for contactless, but that only applies to payments up to a certain amount, uh, and we want a cut of other payments that are bigger than that so here's a credit card well uh, what is this the limit on apple pay because it's not the same as other contactless stuff is it well it contactless is 30 pounds in this country mm. i don't know what the limits are in other countries but um you that's the standard limit however you as a business if you are selling stuff you can specifically allow Apple Pay and you can raise that limit. So right. in somewhere like the Apple Store, it's limitless. You can come in and buy a £8,000 Mac with Apple Pay. Right. Um, but that's that's a thing you opt into. That's not a, um, you know, that's not something that happens automatically. So if you're just a small retailer. It's um, probably £30. Probably, though. Yeah. My wife nearly got into like a full-blown argument with someone. I, I was just just thinking about this. Yeah, it was a very weird stand that she made, but I went to pay with my Apple Pay, and it was like thirty-five quid, forty quid, and the and uh, the, the cashier said, "Oh, you, 
the limit's 30 quid. I didn't think any more about it, and I was mm. just going to say, okay, fine, I'll, I'll use my, my card. But then my wife kind of stepped in and went, no, it's not. It's more than that. I'm sure you could go higher than that, and it was mm. a whole thing. Well, I was at a supermarket yeah. the other day, and it said, um, yeah, she said above like those self-checkout tills, it said something like £30 for contactless, but Apple Pay up to... Right, £100 or something. And that's their, whatever I'll be yeah. doing a week. Okay. So I think like for a while, when it, when it first came out, I, I may be wrong on this, but when it first came out, I think places like Marks and Spencer's or M&S, sorry, mm. um, places like that were like... Are they not called Marks and Spencer's? Though? I don't know. I've, I've only ever seen them say M&S now. I feel like it's wrong to call them Marks and Spencer's now. I but I don't know. Yeah. But the... Um, they, raised, they raised the limit to £150. So it wasn't limitless. You couldn't go and spend well, massively extortionate amounts of money, but you could buy some, you know, a few items of clothing and it wasn't going to cause you a problem. I'd buy you a shirt. Yeah, Maybe. from MNS, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. I think it'd be a good idea because you know when you're going to use a contactless payment and usually whatever system you have will come up with a contactless icon. They mm. could introduce a little, like, an, an Apple logo with a, a monetary value next to it so you mm. knew to what. Yeah. You know. That would be good. I think what's really interesting, though, about the Apple Card is... It obviously leverages that, which they made the point in the keynote that other countries outside the US had adopted it more than in the US. So right. is this a play to make Apple Pay more appealing to the US market? Because obviously they're bringing it out there first. Yeah. Um, and also is it to, I, I don't know, but is it is it to appeal to a side of retail that is perhaps more common in the US we're using credit cards as the predominant source of the US pay. seems a little bit backwards from from what I've read in that mm. a lot of stuff is not chip and pin yet it's still magnetic stripe which right. is very easy to fake and mm. skim yeah when we yeah. went to like Disney World they just took my card off me through the thing in you go yeah what yeah, it doesn't. That doesn't strike me as the safest. No, it's it's um, really not. There's a reason we've got chip yeah. and pin, which is why I guess the the appear they're really pushing on the security and the privacy side of Apple Pay because Apple Pay is more secure than chip and pin these days. Mm. It's because of the technology behind it and the unique identifiers and all of that that they go into in the um, keynote. It's actually more secure than chip and pin, so they're really pushing that. I guess against that backdrop of... Well, have you heard about the interest thing? So they've got different interest tiers depending on how you use the card. If you use Apple Pay, if you use this the Apple card via Apple Pay, you get 2% mm. interest on whatever. It's cash back, I think. Yeah. Cash back, sorry, yeah. Which one they call, what do they call it? Daily cash or something yeah. like that. Uh, uh, if you use it in the Apple Store, I think it's 3%. If you use the physical card, it's 1%. So it's like trying mm. to distance people from using the card. I mean, they're absolutely bang on creating a physical card because people will want that. People yeah. will sign up for Apple Card because they get the titanium. I mean, there was someone in our office who said that. Yeah. Like this morning, I, was, I asked someone, I said, Will you get, would you get Apple Card if it was here? And he went, absolutely, I want a titanium card. Yeah, and that's the selling point. <laughs> mm. You could probably go and buy one off eBay, you know, in a couple of months. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, so the, a, a box of them will fall off the back of a truck or something and you can get unregistered Apple cards, I don't know. Mm. But if you really want to be cynical about it, Apple's always had a problem with pricing and financing of their high-end stuff. Apple Card gives them a way to tie you even further into their uh, ecosystem. Instead of going to a third party and getting a loan 
at whatever interest rates available. Imagine if Apple could or could do that for you. Yeah, yeah, you buy your take a loan from Apple to buy your expensive new iPhone from Apple, mm. and then pay Apple the interest. Mm. Yeah, because they do offer sometimes zero percent interest on stuff, don't they? Like if you buy a MacBook through the store, zero percent interest. But I'm guessing that's via third parties they partnership with. It's usually through. When I've seen that, it's usually through something like PayPal for 12 months at a specific time of the year. Yeah. You know, that's kind of what they do. Although, like a to, back to school sale kind of thing. To go down more down the cynical route, you could also say that if you get yourself an Apple Card and you're tied into, you know, all of the features of that, you know, so you're borrowing money from Apple, mm-hmm. you're um, using the apps to track your spending. That's a really important part of you know, your money usage. Yeah. Um, you're, and you're doing all of that kind of stuff. You have to keep buying iPhones to maintain that. Right. Yeah. Because, yeah. The, you know, Apple Pay is not available to point, other devices. Yeah. It's iPhones. So if you have an iPhone and it comes to the end of its life and you want to upgrade your phone and you're, using, you're tied into using Apple Card and you rely on that, you're then faced with which iPhone do I get? Not. Can you take your physical card and run? You're like, well, it's linked to Apple know. Pay, so I guess you have some. If you, as long as you maintain that Apple account, you probably don't need to own any Apple hardware or anything, right? Well, you the card has no card numbers on it, mm-hmm. so if you no longer have your device, which it doesn't, that's not stored on the cloud. That's not right. an account somewhere. That's stored on the device. Okay. So if you no longer have that device, you can't get your card numbers because they said in the keynote that if you want to pay online, for example, through some third-party website that doesn't support Apple Pay, you can get your card number from your device. from the wallet app on your phone. Mm. So it is it is very much tying people into that, mm. um, which if you're the kind of person that's like, I can't see my, myself ever moving away from iPhones, I've got no problem with that, that's not an issue for me, then fine. Yeah. But if you're the kind of person that likes to switch backwards and forwards and likes to mix it up, what do you do? Just put your Apple card on, on ice for a year while you go and use Android for a bit, get an Android yeah. card, and then back again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's also, I mentioned the daily cash thing, so you get your you get your cash back. I could see, you know, people getting into a bit of a, um, a feedback loop scenario where you go, you buy food with your Apple card, or you buy a product with your Apple card. End of the week, you get a big pop-up on your screen. So at the moment, weekly, you get the screen screen time thing, don't you? Comes up with a little notification saying, screen time, here's your screen usage for this week. And I don't know if they game the numbers somehow, but mine constantly tells me my screen usage is down, which always makes me feel better about myself. <laughs> like, great, <laughs> check me out. But you could see you get to the end of the week, big happy noise, you look at your phone. Thanks to Daily Cash, you have saved, or Apple Card, you have saved this much and a little animation of it going into a little kitty and then it's there for the next time you use your apple it's almost enough to buy a coffee i'll go buy a coffee and a and a muffin yeah mm. and then you feed more into the system and yeah you know, it can probably as subtly encourages you to to spend a bit more i do i can also see a way to try and game the system mm. which if you go to an apple store okay and you spend a thousand pounds on a phone with your inside scoop from a former Apple employee. Well, I, it's not not even that, but you go and you spend a thousand pounds on a car on an, on an iPhone, mm. and you get three percent back because you've paid Apple in an Apple store with your Apple Pay on your Apple card. Yeah, mm-hmm. so you get three percent back. That's thirty quid. Yeah, 
What happens if you return that phone? Yeah, like the next day or something like that and get a full refund. Do you lose your, that 30 pounds or do you, or $30 or whatever? It you must be. do, right? Yeah, I mean, if it's all tied into their system, it probably all goes through. But if you spend that 30 quid. I, they might have that's something the thing. like a yeah. whole, like, you know, daily cash asterisk. Mm. You'll or does that go against updates, your account? But you can only spend it or you can, you know, every X weeks or something like that. Yeah, maybe they calculate your interest based on like last month you mm. spent this much. I can't imagine Apple wouldn't have thought of ways that this could be manipulated yeah. and have yeah. provisions in place. But it does raise an interesting question of, you know, the card also, there's no fees, so no late fees and all of that kind of stuff, which is very much based on a kind of trust system. Mm. Do you think that means that you go to open your phone, you're, you're in debt, you go to open your phone and you constantly have a message sat on the home screen saying, you're in debt. It's like, yeah. click here to, you know. Well, surely the moment you use the right. card, you're in debt. Well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I'll have to see. But, uh, yeah, it sounds like it's US-based at the moment. We've mm. got alternatives over here. I don't think from the sound of it that Apple's the best one either. I think in America, Citibank is meant to be one that's comparable or has a lot of perks to do with it. But you know that Apple card doesn't. But we've got things like, is it Monzo? Yeah. Adam uses. I use Monzo. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. It's, I mean, it, you can really see the benefit of having instant access to your transactions, your budgeting. I mean, I was, I was on the phone to my wife the other day mm. as she was stood at the cash machine, taking money out of the cash from our joint account. Yeah. And before the cash had even come out, I got a notification to say that the money had come out of our account. Right. Okay. Before it even come out of the before she even held it in there. Yeah, hand. exactly. So it is really instant, and you can do all your like automatic budgeting, mm. things like that through did, it. Did you call her to go? Quick! Someone's got a card. Just take two hundred quid out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but the um, there are really good options out there. So it'll be interesting to see if the Apple Card thing is comparable or is is more beneficial mm. in any way, especially considering. It looks like it's all sits on the device. Yeah. So if something happens to your device and you've got to get a new one or you lost your backup or something, do you lose all of that information? Another reason to upgrade your iCloud, I guess. Mm. Your cloud backup. Yeah, so the third thing that they announced was Apple Arcade. So we talked last week and the week before potentially about uh, gaming services like um, Xbox Game Pass, PlayStation Now, the upcoming Google Stadia, which is subscription-based, uh, monthly subscription-based gaming things. That, the Netflix of games we've talked about before. And now Apple have come swanning in with Apple Arcade, which is kind of their uh, kind of mobile subscription service, although it does apply to Mac OS and Apple TV as well. What I'd be interested to know about with this is, so from what I understand, it'll just be premium games, so games that you would pay an upfront cost for rather than freemium games. Although, I don't know, maybe they'll do a deal where this month you get $20 worth of Clash of Clans, you know, the in-game currency or something. Wouldn't that be horrible? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, what do you think, because... One thing about this keynote is a lot of subscription services coming out. Mm. So you've got Apple very much moving 
maybe not away from hardware, but diversifying towards providing a lot of being a service service. provider as well as just a hardware manufacturer. Yeah. So what have you got? You've got your your, your iCloud storage subscriptions. You can have music. There's the Apple TV. The News Plus. Plus Come up against News Plus, games. Um, There's probably others. I don't know, but that's that's a lot. Apple Music. Yeah, Apple Music, of course. So There's all sorts. And I don't think they offer, to my knowledge at the moment, and granted they haven't been up and, enough and to, to this point for it to be worth it, but I don't know if they offer a bundle system where it's like Apple Apple Complete something, where you get yeah. all of the systems across you and your family members for 60 quid a month or something. Yeah, I don't. I don't think there's been anything like that up until now. Mm. But it is. It is a good point that there. There's a lot of chatter about the fact that their iPhone sales look to be stagnating, mm. like they're not seeing the massive growth every year that they did for a long time, and that's kind of plateaued over the last couple of years. For whatever reason, you know, you could talk to the cows come home about what that is, but the. I'd love to imagine that they saw that and their response to it wasn't, we should lower the price of our hardware, but mm. these poor people, they can't afford our product. Let's invent a credit card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but it looks it looks like they have, I mean, I can remember seeing keynotes for the last few years that they made a point of their services, but this is the first time it's been such a big push. Mm. Um, but I think they're... I read somewhere that their services for the first quarter of 2019 mm. or their first quarter of 2019 was something like $10.9 billion right. came from services alone, which is an enormous amount, Yeah, you know, and that's a growth from the year before, Yeah, um, which I think it was like eight or nine million, nine billion, sorry. The services, do they count? So I know there's certain apps on the App Store, I think, that can have rolling subscriptions, mm. things like that. Do they count that in there? Well, for a lot of, for example, if you create an app and you, um, there's a subscription element to it, say a monthly subscription, the, um, I know there's a, there's a, a lawsuit or a, there's something going on with Spotify and Apple at the moment related to this, where yeah. you, you start, set up your subscription and for the first year, Apple take 30% of that. Yeah. because it's done through their app store. After that, it's 15% for the next however many years. Right. But So that will be services. Things like the payments that people pay. So when people buy an app and Apple take 30% of that or whatever the magic figure is, that will be services. And it's like everything, all of these payments that go through Apple systems, whether it's directly to them or through to developers and other people, Apple take a cut of. Right. So it will be all of that added together right which is a heck of a lot of stuff yeah that's a lot of stuff and it looks like with this games thing then that apple arcade they're looking at kind of expanding that to exclusivity so they're trying to get games that are just on the service Mm. they talk about they've got 100 plus i think exclusive games yeah though i struggled to find any kind of details about what those were me neither. They, they had a good show reel of some of the stuff they're doing. So there's that Beneath the Steel Sky um, sequel. Yeah. Beyond the Steel Sky. There's Ocean Horn 2, which is kind of like a Zelda-looking game, but it looks looks really, really good, really, uh, really powerful. Uh, I mean, it must have some really powerful um, hardware behind it because it looks amazing. 
but then also uh like the chinese room i think are doing a an apple arcade specific game there's there's a few but mm-hmm. some if not all of those i think are not exclusives so yeah. they did kind of mix in a bit with sort of they've got 100 100 games that you'll only be able to get here and then there's also some games that you will be able to get elsewhere right okay yeah that did they not sense. say something about how the if it's on Apple Arcade, it won't be available anywhere else. No. So I think they are pulling both. They've got games that they are specifically making that they are, I think they are either funding existing companies or kind of helping developers basically to build games specifically for it. And so those things will be exclusive. Mm. But okay. they are also putting other companies' games that they either have already released or are going to release on other platforms on apple arcade as well so you've kind of got i guess it's maybe like the netflix sort of thing where you you've got the netflix original stuff that has kind of been built for specifically for netflix funded for netflix and that's the only place you'll ever be able to watch that and then also they buy in the you know other things that maybe i don't know maybe they'll only be there for a bit or maybe you'll be able to see them there but also on amazon prime that kind of thing Mm, that that i that is the impression that I'm getting. Yeah. So you you pay your subscription that gives you access to the kind of just this whole range of games that you can download and play immediately. But yeah, some of those will be exclusive. Some of those you'll be able to get elsewhere if you've got the ability to play them elsewhere. And what are we thinking price-wise? Because I don't think they announced anything. No, they didn't say anything. Do you think we'd be looking at parity with things like... Netflix, you know, like about $10 a month, something like that? Or do you think they might go under and lowball it? I think that very much depends on what exclusives they've got because you can't imagine that this is going to be the best place to play a game that you can get elsewhere. Like if if you've got a gaming PC or a PS4 or an Xbox One, uh, and a game is released across PC, PS4, Xbox One, and also Apple Arcade, you're not going to get it on Apple Arcade. Well, the- no, but I mean, I think they're aiming more for the mobile games. Sure. Market, aren't they? I don't think you're going to get Assassin's Creed on here or anything. Well, the, the kind of games that they're, they were showing in the keynote are for those kind of games on the App Store or of a similar kind of quality and look and mm. um, level of polish, I guess you could mm-hmm. say. I've seen those be around the sort of £5 mark sure, to buy, just mm. to buy outright. And then sometimes there'll be extra costs within to expand it and unlock other things or your um, some kind of subscription maybe. Generally not so because that's kind of up the top end of a, the cost of an app. But what they've said is that it they'll also be available across ios and mac yeah so it will cover both now on mac it's can be 20 30 40 quid for a, yeah. a game mm-hmm. so if they were just on ios and they went in a, a kind of you know it'll be four or five pounds a month you could consider that as you're buying a new game every month yeah. in your mind and you just like you do would with someone like a music streaming service you know if i use more than one new album a month then i'm kind of profiting here in a a sense so if it was just ios then i'd expect probably around that but if it's computer like mac as well 
like proper serious games. Yeah. Then I mean, they say it'll be playable on all of them. Um, yeah. Pick up and where you left off. You play mm. it on your phone and then go switch over to your Mac and Sounds Apple like TV. I wouldn't be surprised if they they put it at something like nine ninety nine, or like like the um, Apple News Plus thing. Mm. Because what I've noticed as well with Apple is they don't like to have too many different price points. Right. So even when you're buying apps, there's kind of price points you can pick from. That's true. Yeah. But there's not. You know, you can't have you know, all these different tiny increments in prices. So they'll mm. probably want to keep it simple and be like, it'll either be fourteen ninety nine or nine ninety nine or something above that. Yeah. You know, it's probably not going to be an awkward number, yeah, if that makes yeah. sense. Okay. Um that but, said, yeah. what is it? Seventy nine P, sixty nine P for an app? That's a pretty awkward number. Yeah. <laughs> well that's because it's a dollar, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose so. Well that changed to ninety nine a few a couple of years ago, I think because um, because the exchange rates and everything changed so much. Right. So at least that's what I saw. But I the, need to have a look. It's probably depressed me. I remember when games were 59p. Mm. It's probably, probably more than <laughs> that. I mean, it could now. be wrong. But. Yeah. But yeah, I think it'll be interesting because if you think uh, mobile gaming, the nature of mobile gaming, a lot of it is trash. A lot of it's free to play. It's kind mm. of cashing in on predatory monetization techniques, uh so to try and use it, if they were going through and curating games and saying, here's, here's some games, like the ones that they highlighted in the keynote were things like Florence, um, Monument Valley, stuff like that. If they're trying to legitimize mobile gaming, it's an interesting route to go. Mm. And if you're going to have kids sat on an iPad all day, better than playing that stuff than throwing money into, you know, mobile games. But the other thing that I heard that was interesting was that the way that they would pass on that money to the developers would be that it would be uh depending on how much they play that game so okay the devs are played on the time spent with the game problem is games like florence or monument valley quite small experiences so will that will you get kind of this natural lean towards games that are longer kind of have you coming back to them even if it's just you know, compulsive mechanics or maybe even, uh, you know, just uh, repetitive stuff, you know, is it going to kind of blunt creativity a bit if developers are trying to game it by mm. getting people coming back? You know, back in the uh, early console days, I remember the, um, you'd get Japanese developers bringing games over to America and they'd deliberately make them harder mm. because America had blockbusters and you could rent a game. So maybe the Japanese game you might be able to sit down and finish in a weekend, but they made the American version difficult so that you wouldn't be able to, you know, rent a game over the weekend and finish it and return it. You'd have to rent it multiple times or go out and buy your own copy. Yeah. Do you think you'll get the same sort of thing here where the the, the uh, Apple Arcade version of a game... <laughs> that much more difficult because they'll get a bigger cut or they you get to the end and then it says great now play the game backwards and you got to play it back again <laughs> yeah um yeah i don't know but yeah it's been interesting to see because you're at the point now where modern iphones i think the iphone 10 was more powerful than the switch uh technically yeah but i think the things that hold mobile back is you know they're might be faster for a while but as soon as the temperature gets up and it starts being throttled because mm. you know an iphone can only radiate heat whereas a switch can actively 
blow a heat yeah, away. It's got a fan in it, hasn't it? In, yeah. So, but nevertheless, I mean, you can run Fortnite on a fan. When we were talking to Adam about it the other day, he didn't actually think that it was on the phone, did he? I mean, he well, he said, you know what, that's real, that's installed, that's running off my phone. And I think, I don't know what he thought was going on. Maybe, Maybe some, some kind of streaming, I think. Yeah, but he was, you know, surprised that it could run on natively on, on hardware that small. It's interesting that very quietly the week before they announced this, they upgraded the iPad range to have much faster processors in it as well. Mm. Right. So it looks like they're really gearing up for people to be able to play these higher graphics games on a lot more devices. Because I mean, they, they haven't specifically said what the cutoff is on this, have no. they? No, and it'll be interesting to see how they handle that. Because, for example, my phone, which is, I have a 8 Plus, which is like the same processor as the 10. Mm. Um, it's I think it's technically more powerful than the laptop I use for work. Right, The processor yeah. in there. Obviously, cooling and things like that come mm-hmm. into play, but it's technically quicker. So it'll be really interesting to see how they do that, especially when you consider that a lot of the uh, the appeal will perhaps be to younger guys who in the real world probably get a lot more hand-me-down phones and older devices from parents or siblings or things like that. And actually, will they be able to cope with Apple Arcade? Yeah. Which is just, it's just an interesting thought to see and see how that kind of plays out. I've never been one for, you know... Massive amounts of uh, support for previous, mm. you know, generations of hardware. I've oh. still got Flappy Bird installed on my phone, but I can't play it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, last thing then, the Apple TV offering, which I would split into two things. So you've got the Apple TV Plus, and then I think they've got channels as well. So just to be clear, I think we've got apple tv they've got an app which is coming out in like later this year i think mm-hmm. in may which is meant to bring multiple different tv apps and subscriptions together into one platform so what's the current state of apple tv what can you do on there does that offer any live tv or is it just can you just buy stuff from the store is it well as someone who's just bought an apple tv oh i um, didn't know they were still making them well, uh, i thought they'd let that They'd either discontinued them or the hardware was languishing a bit. I don't think oh. it's had an update for a while. Joe, it? where have you been? They've um, they've bought out, a couple of years ago, they bought out the Apple TV 4K. Right. Okay. So, in fact, I think they use them to help power the big screens you see in Apple stores. Right, okay. Um, and they are, they're very, they're a lot more powerful than the older Apple TVs. Mm. Um, and you can... So there's things like um, graphics for games and things like that are, are on there. Obviously, they're not at the same level as the specific consoles, but you can do stuff like that. Now, Apple TV now functions in very much a similar way to your iOS devices. You can download apps. There's an app store. You can get all these different streaming services as their separate apps like Netflix and now TV and Amazon Prime Video and all of that. Okay. Um, now, currently, there is a TV app which also syncs across your iOS devices as well. Mm-hmm. And if you have certain streaming services, right. these will update that app. So, for example, um, Prime Video, uh, I was if I watch, for example, a new episode of The Grand Tour, it tracks my progress in Prime Video, but that updates the TV app. So I can actually browse the content of Prime Video from the TV app and see my progress. But then at the same time, I can do that with the BBC iPlayer app. 
So does it just integrate them all into mm. one list? So you've got, you know, um, you got Netflix content, then uh, Amazon content and what have you. Well, Netflix doesn't support this. Uh, um, there's always one. I know, always. which if it did would be really powerful. Mm. Um, but I think they want to maybe control their own experience. I don't know. But the that's the basic premise of it is what you're saying is that actually if if there's support for it, you can see it all in one place. You're not having to dance around the different apps all the time. You need the app downloaded to your Apple TV, but it's a really good one-stop place. Now, I think in the States, this is a lot more... Basically, I think it's utilised a lot more. I mean, they've got their cable, their various cable providers, haven't they? Yeah. HBOs and your whatever. Yeah. Live TV in the UK on an Apple TV is not really where it could be mm-hmm. that's not in the tv app that's you know you have to get like a tv player specific app and you got to you know have a tv license all of that stuff yeah. um but i think this the kind of real power in this is very much more in the us market where they can have cable providers feeding into it and sports and all this stuff which obviously leads on to this apple tv channels thing it does feel like a lot of the stuff they've announced is very us centric at least Initially, um, but I guess that's you know it's a US company, mm. so that shouldn't be a surprise. Um, yeah, so if they're bringing out an app, then what's the what features would having a physical Apple TV? You know what what remains? Well, I think with with the Apple TV app, which I assume would replace the TV app yeah. that there is now, so from what I understand is you have to have these big bundled TV subscriptions. So to your cable provider and you get, you know, be like um, getting these, your subscription to sky where you've got all these packages and things. And actually the point of Apple TV channels is through your, your Apple TV app, you can subscribe to individual channels, pay less because you really only want those channels. So for example, for someone like me, I don't have a lot of requirements of live TV, but what I really like is like Sky Sports F1. Like that for me would be the kind of thing that I'd wish I could get on its own, be happy to pay a few quid a month just for that. But you can't know that you'll pay more. Yeah, exactly. So it's, that's the idea of the Apple TV channels thing is you can pay for these individual subscriptions um, without having to go for a big package that's going to, cost you more if actually that's not what you want now obviously there's going to be a crossover where you want the package and it makes more sense to have that and if they keep integrating it the way it is at the moment then that'll work fine but i guess that's that's part of the thinking of this right i see and then they've also got their original content as well which they're planning on bringing out have you read about the sesame street one no okay so sesame street they're looking at doing a new sesame street themed program which will focus on teaching kids code coding basics oh yeah this is a big thing for apple yeah yeah so rather than your one two threes all the uh, mm. variables floats and what have you are they going to bring out new characters to like deal with the functions or something <laughs> well they had they had a character called cody Mm. in the keynote and i don't know if that's an original sesame street thing i don't know enough about it or whether that's just like someone they've created for this i always get but, my sesame street and my uh what's it called muppets, muppets. muppets. Yeah. yeah which one's big bird these days sesame, sesame street. street okay great big bird two let's, uh, <laughs> let's get one of them in 2.0 yeah. <laughs> yeah but yeah so i think that's going to be 
I mean, that'd be quite cool. interesting. But... I mean, you could argue that programming is more, you know, about hands-on and trial and error, but I suppose you could say the same thing about literacy and numeracy. Mm. So, <laughs> yeah, it's all, you know, it's, it's something. And then they've also got various other ones as well. Funnily enough, Spielberg coming in with his... Uh, with some kind of a series or with his endorsement of Apple. Because we, do you remember, we've got another podcast that we do, like a movie podcast. And just a few weeks ago, he was having a go at Roma, which was a, um, or rather Netflix, because Roma, which was a, an Oscar-nominated film, he said it shouldn't have been, shouldn't have been allowed, really, because for whatever reason it was. Because it's not a, because uh, it's made by Netflix and it's not part of the, Cinema system? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it was this daft thing to say anyway, and then to come out on a, on the Apple keynote and say, here's hmm. our preferred streaming service. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he just hates it when people get Oscars that aren't, you know, haven't recorded in Super 8 or something. But, <laughs> yeah, I just thought it was, uh, it was interesting. It is. It, it will be interesting to see what, what this is like, because obviously there's some massive names in it. So they've got Spielberg, they've got um, uh, Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon, they've got Steve Carell, they've got J.J. Abrams. Chris Evans sat in the audience. Chris Evans was sat in the audience. I mean, there were some massive names sat in the audience. I thought they were all just been invited, but it turns out they were part of it. So they've they've really invested in this. And from the clips that you saw, it didn't look like low budget, you know, TV, it was very kind of cinematic and high budget. So, but in a, in a, in a world where we have our Netflix and prime video and, mm. you know, you've got your sky making their content and all of that stuff, is it just oversaturated and it's too late or is this actually going to be something that's yeah groundbreaking? There's only, it's gotta be only so much market out there, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, they've, um, they're, they're planning on releasing this later this year and mm. Disney have got their thing coming out yeah. like, this year as I mean, well. There's only so much time in the day to watch stuff. <laughs> That's yes, the there's thing. only so much time to watch stuff. And like how many, what is the average person's limit on the number of different streaming services they're going to pay for every month? Because mm. mm. there's got to be a, a restriction there. Like at some point, you just, you either physically can't watch it or you start to realize, hey, I'm spending, you know, 60 quid a month on TV and I don't really watch anything outside of this one program on repeat. Mm. Like, yeah, I I don't know. There's got to be a cutoff point where these things just start failing. Yeah. We must be getting there. But it's just turned into a big homogenized thing the same way that TV had previously. Just lots of different offerings and some better or more expensive or mm. more money behind them than others. I don't know. Having said that, though, it does, you know, if you just take it as it is and you, you know, I guess that all of that aside, mm. it does look, from what they showed in the keynote, it does look like it could be really good and it could be mm. a really um, high-quality, high-bar streaming service. Yeah, I but, mean, great. Yeah, Fr- from a consumer point of view, yeah. I mean, if obviously I'm I'm not invested in Apple in any way. I have an <laughs> iPad too. That is my one <laughs> Apple product uh, that has probably been turned on once in the past couple of years. Um, so yeah, I I I basically have no interest in this mm. because I'm not going to go out and 
buy into Apple streaming thing. Ooh. From a kind of a bit more detached consumer point of view, I just am at the point where you basically, in order for people to want to come to your streaming platform, you are going to have to have the exclusives that are really good that people really want to watch. And I'm kind of on one hand, if they don't have those exclusives, then it's kind of a waste of time and money. Why bother? And if they do have those exclusives, I'm annoyed because that's another Mm. thing that I can't watch or I'm going to have to pay lots of money to go watch on top of everything else. So I don't know. I, I, yeah, everybody's jumping into this increasingly small pool. Mm -hmm. Well, will that's a good question. Actually, will, Will Apple TV Plus be available to someone without an Apple device? Or will it purely be, if you're investing in the ecosystem, you can get to it? Because, for example, Netflix, you don't have to have the app on a device. You can go to the website. Yeah. I, so, would, I would imagine... You cut off a big that, audience if you don't, yeah. Well, that's, that's you must be able to watch it on your, on your MacBook, whether that is mm. through a, a dedicated programme... Yeah. But more likely it'd be logging into a website, right? That would be the sensible way of doing things. <laughs> well, the, I mean, typically Apple haven't done it that way. True. I mean, the only website I know of that is an Apple service that you log into is iCloud. Mm-hmm. And that's in the event that you lose your devices and you need to get to some of your information there. Yeah. I don't know of, you know, for example, you can't get to Apple Music through a website. You can't get to... um there are, however, apps which are available for Android for Apple Music, so, which sure. Apple makes. So there is there is some cross-platform there. But Great. as far as Apple TV Plus goes, who knows? Who knows? Well, it's in their interest to impress us all, so we'll see what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything else that they mentioned for this keynote, or is that all the main points? One thing I noticed, and I've read a couple of art- articles that came up, was that Apple really laboured the privacy and protection side of things mm. again yeah. in this. They really are making that their point of did I, good yeah, on them. Yeah. Did I hear something about how they can't view what you purchase with your Apple card or something like that, mm. which seems a bit counterintuitive or a bit contradictory considering that they can also show you the minutiae of where you've bought things with your, with your card and stuff like that. Well, it's, I guess it's kind of... I don't know. I don't know how these systems work, but some some degree of the kind of end-to-end encryption stuff you see in WhatsApp, for instance, maybe. Maybe. Well, yeah. before WhatsApp had end-to-end encryption, iMessage had that from mm. its first day. It was end-to-end encryption. And there was a big thing about how Apple couldn't retrieve iMessage, notif- iMessage messages, even though it goes through their servers. And they're like, we cannot see what that is. Mm. And I think they've they've always had that mentality of we don't need to see it, therefore we don't. And so they've always been a big advocate for on-device stuff. So for example, they, with the Apple card stuff, they, they use machine learning on the device to tell you, um, for example, where you bought something from. It's, you know, it's the location of your device, not yeah. Where you, not, you know, yeah, not, not sending a bunch of data up to some Apple exactly. server somewhere, calculating it and sending it back. Yeah, they do as much as they can on the device, and that device is in your hand. It doesn't get sent. So that's why the whole Apple Card thing, you, if you don't have your phone, mm-hmm. it's all stored on that phone, and that phone goes somewhere, then you've 
yeah. who've lost those card details. There must be a retrieval method somewhere, mm-hmm. whether it's directly with Goldman Sachs or something like that, but they're... Yeah, I mean, you usually when you move your card around between mm. physical phones, I sometimes have to call the issuer, so I have to call mm. my bank and say, Yo, yeah, hook me back up. Yeah. yeah. But I think the, the fact that they're making these... They're really flying under the flying this banner, I guess, of we protect everything you yeah. we protect your data. We don't know what you're doing, therefore no one else is gonna know what you're doing. It's formed some very good publicity. I mean yeah, it's no, crazy I mean, not to lean into it. As much as I kind of sit and frown at Apple from the sidelines, mm-hmm. uh this their attitude towards security and privacy I am very impressed with. Well the um I heard some stories about um, when, so when GDPR became a thing mm-hmm. and, you know, there's all of a sudden these big stipulations on the fact that you had to be able, you know, you had to be able to provide all the information you had on a person. You had to be able to delete that, their request. There were, you know, people would make requests to Apple and say, I want all the information you've got on me. They would provide it. And then people would kick up a fuss and go, this isn't all the information you have on me. Mm-hmm. And Apple were like, no, it is. We just don't store that much information on you. Yeah. And it was kind of, it was a shock to people actually how, when it became the law that they had to provide that and they did, people were shocked at how much they weren't being stored about them. Unless they lied. <laughs> Kept it all. Oh yeah, there is they always that. Like that. Cool. Right. I think that about, that's about it for the uh, time we've got today. I didn't think that we get half an hour out of that and we managed to get a full hour. So check us out. <laughs> Uh, Josh, thanks very much for coming along. Um, If anyone wants to send us an email, you can send it through to podcast at unravelingtechnology.co.uk or reach us on Twitter at Unraveling Tech. And we've also got the blog, which is unraveling.technology. But if you would like to, if you like what we're doing and want to leave us a review, then get on iTunes or whatever your podcast thingy of choices, provider, vendor of choices, and uh, leave us a little review. But thank you very much for listening anyway. We'll be back about the same time next week. So thank you for listening and goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.